1: You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: And a very good Friday morning as we welcome you along to the programme. Uh, we'd love to, uh, to hear from you. And of course, the papers, as I said to Ken, at the RTE story just seems to be the story that keeps on uh, giving. And of course, the big highlight yesterday was the news that it was Marty Morrissey uh, was the person responsible for having received the loan of a car. <laughs> we'd love to get a loan of a car. And he had it from Renault for the last uh, five years. Now, a spokesperson said the matter of the car loan was being addressed with Marty Morrissey by RTE management so whether Marty's going to be hauled in over the coals. Um, Marty um, are the, are, are the broadcaster RTE also confirmed that Marty Maracy will still stand in for the Ryan Tauberty radio slot on the upcoming bank holiday Monday, the August bank holiday. He's always done the bank holiday Mondays, and there was speculation on Monday would he be doing it now? Will he be embroiled in controversy? But RTE say no, uh, he'll still go ahead with that uh, programme in about a month's at time. Mixed reaction from weary RTE staff to the news that it was the veteran GAA uh, correspondent and commentator who had the use of a Renault car free of charge and he's had it since 2017 in return. He got it I suppose it was for hosting a number of events for the manufacturer I think he did about 12 of them and he didn't get paid so it was kind of like a uh, kind of a contra deal uh, I suppose you would say I hope to God he's declared it with revenue because it would have been benefiting kind on that uh, car. Now Marty Marcy is understood by the way to be a close personal friend of the incoming Director General Kevin Backard And yesterday, March decided to go public and reveal that it was him and he apologised, said it was an error in judgement. And I'm glad that he came out though and said that it was him because there was so much speculation going around as to who this person actually was because of course at the Arochitis committee meeting, Adrian Lynch confirmed that somebody had the loan of a car but uh, because of GDPR wasn't at liberty to say who it was, so speculation then started. But I have to say, and I was following this very closely on social media, Marty Morrissey's name hadn't been named, hadn't been speculated that it could uh, possibly uh, be him. Now, internally within RTE, some people are expressing sympathy for uh, Marty Morrissey and it seems he's a hugely popular figure within the organisation and dare I say he's a hugely popular figure all over the country. One source says the fact that Marty came out, apologised and explained the whole situation, that was a wise move. Uh, Also, Ed said that he didn't take a fee from Renault, the car use was in exchange. And he also came out in the statement and said he wasn't claiming a car car allowance. So one source is saying, look, those things are going to stand in his favour. But then on the other side of the coin, there are other staff in Montrose who are said to be Fuming about what they now feel is a real us and them rule with regard to the cultural issues within RTE. People are just fed up with this kind of carry-on where there seems to be one set of rules for the very well-paid broadcasters and another set of rules for uh, everyone else. And of course, this week the RTE staff and the contractors, they were all called upon to supply information about their commercial engagements, their gifts and any potential conflict of interest. And that's part of a new uh, clampdown and the incoming. RT Director-General Kevin Backhurst, he's vowed to introduce this strict register of interests and that'll be for all... Well, he's saying it's for the broadcasters' top earners, but I'm assuming it'll be for everyone, but I suppose it is mainly the broadcasters' top earners are the ones that have all of these various other interests and people offering them things to become influencers, etc. And the move is going to ensure that the taxpayer-funded RTE presenters will have to declare any business interests that they have outside of their work with RTE. Uh, Kevin Backers, of course, doesn't take up his role until next Monday, but he had a meeting yesterday with Catherine Martin, the media minister uh, at her department, and actually kind of had a little brief press conference outside because there was a number of media outside. I thought Kenny was was saying, look, I don't take up the job until uh, Monday. But I think he said he's never done so much unpaid work as he's been doing of uh, late. But uh, speaking after the meeting, Kevin Backer said that the scandal at RTE had been painful to watch. But he is, he's insisted that he will restore trust in the public service uh, broadcaster. And then Catherine Martin, she spoke after her meeting uh, with uh, Kevin Backhurst and she has asked him to make a public statement about his plans to reform RTE when he does take charge. She said she told him she's not satisfied with the way details of RTE's finances was emerging. She said the drip feed of information over the past two weeks has been yet another blow to RTE. She says it's causing untold uh, damage. And of course, we now know that Ryan Tupperty and his agent Noel Kelly are going before joint both joint or committees on the same day. Now that does seem to be at their request. I think they just want to get it all over and uh, done with. So they'll go into the PAC on Tuesday morning at half past uh, 11. They'll be in there for three hours uh, and then they will go before the media committee in the afternoon at three. Now I do, I think, now it could be just that they want, want to get it all over and done with in one day but I do think also it's a clever move on their behalf because normally what happens when there's a day apart, whoever is in on the second Oireachtas committee has time to digest what was said the day before and maybe cross-reference information so the media committee are not going to have a lot of time after what they hear at the PAC in case they want to cross-check anything. But anyway listen, we'll wait and see and hope that everything that comes out won't need to be cross-checked and that they will be upfront and honest about everything. And of course possible questions for Ryan Tuberti. They reckon there will be a lot of questioning about his current deal because it's emerged, of course, he's uh, what well, he's technically out of contract. He still is being paid. We now know he won't be returning to RTE for several months, a lot more. Is that payment going to go on? And obviously the big question is he's going to be asked um, why he didn't speak out when he knew that the underreported figures pertaining to his salary were, was incorrect when they were published every year. He knew they were the wrong Wrong figure. Why did he not speak up at that stage? And I know the Taoiseach has welcomed the fact that both Noel Kelly and Ryan Toberty are appearing before the um, Oireachtas meetings next week. But then I came across a piece um, from Senan Maloney in the uh, Irish Independent today that just is truly, I'm just thinking, when is this ever going to end? And this is a list of state bodies that have been handing over funds, fees to in inverted commas the celebrities or the stars are the talent uh, and many of them are people who worked with RTE and I'll just quickly run down through uh, some of them. A series of parliamentary questions has revealed. Nationwide presenter Anne Casson, she was paid €2,000 to la- launch a policy on Our Rural Future. She received €4,000 for hosting the National Tidy Towns Awards. Her former nationwide colleague Mary, Ke- Mary Kennedy uh, received four thousand three hundred and five for her contribution to this our rural future. RT sports presenter Joanne Cantwell was paid one thousand two hundred and nine to MC a two hour Sport Ireland event. Current affairs presenter Miriam McCallaghan was paid one thousand eight hundred and forty five for co hosting Water Safety Ireland's National Awards, and she did it with the Garrahy sisters, uh, Dirren and her sister Aving. They received one thousand four hundred. Seventy-six jointly for that ceremony. Meanwhile, Hollywood star Liam Neeson he charged no fee for his services on World Drowning Prevention Day. Jennifer Sapparelli also charged no fee for work on the Safe Summer Swimming. However, she had been paid five thousand two hundred euro to increase awareness of the Dublin Bus Broadstone Depot. Restoration. The Dragon Den star Bobby Kerr. He's now represented with News Talk. He got one thousand four hundred and forty-one for a connected hub launch. The Shared Island Dialogue series, and that comes under the remit of the Taoiseach's Department, so the money would have come from there. They paid moderators uh, an average of one thousand two hundred and forty-seven euro, and those moderators included RT personnel Sean Rocks, Katie Hannon, and Patrick Keelty. Social Protection Minister Heather Humphreys. She paid former RT broadcaster Ingrid Miley a thousand euro for a pre-budget forum that was two years ago. The media minister Catherine Martin paid a similar one thousand euro to the Tory minister Michael Pertello, and that was for an online conversation about British attitudes to Ireland during the war of independence and she paid him a thousand euro for it. And then Horse Racing Ireland of course we know this came out early in the week they paid um, during Geraghy 20,000 euro in 2022 and that was for a number of different events, including promoting the uh, Cheltenham Festival, which TD Catherine Murphy pointed out was an annual race meeting held in a a different uh, country. Catherine Murphy also pointed out that another RTE presenter, Owen McGee, who wrote the book How to Be Good with Money, he had been paid €1,700 by the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission for providing uh, service. Some of these are contractors and uh, would not have been, had reporting uh, requirements and um, it's, uh, um, and that's how they have been paid. But just staggering, staggering figures. And that's money that's come from state bodies. (laughs) It's just to say, it just seems to be a story that keeps on giving. Are we only really at the tip of the, the iceberg? Because when I think of the words that are ringing in my ear are, uh, Sweeney Raleigh, the, the the chair of the RTE board, who only, in fairness, took over last uh, November. Um, and when she said at the Oireachtas committee meeting this week she said you know what's going to come out she thinks what's going to come out uh, there's going to be a lot more to come out oh, not over the next days she said over the next weeks so God knows what else uh, we are going to hear Sean on Twitter t- C103Cork said it isn't just RTE he c- feels all public institutions are corrupt the Garda, GSOC and Bortplanola Tusla where would I stop says Sean and why because politicians have been appointing cronies and relatives to senior positions in these institutions for years. Sean reckons the rot goes all the way to the top. And Pat in Limerick says, Patricia, was Marty Maracy's car insured? And if so, who insured it? I I don't know. That wasn't mentioned uh, in the call. or It wasn't mentioned in his statement. And then Pat said, there was a senator on um, National radio this morning saying that this is not the car that they were talking about at the Rockdisc Committee. So, is there another car? No, there isn't. There was a little bit of confusion uh, when it was stated that the car had been handed back the day before. It turns out Mark DiMarisi actually handed back the car two weeks ago. He handed back the car on the day that the Ryan Tuberty story broke. He realised uh, the error of his ways and he handed it back on that day. So, RT have since come out and say that they were confused when they said the car was handed back uh, the day before. So, it's one and the same car. And then when I was mentioning the list of state agencies uh, state bodies and how much they had paid to various celebrities within RTE. Somebody says, well, well Patricia nobody works for free. Do you charge for your MC events? If you don't it looks like more fool uh, you. I I don't have the opportunity to do many MC events. I think all across last year I did one. Um, nothing. I, I got a very what I would consider a modest uh, fee uh, obviously with my commitments to a special needs uh, child. I don't have the time much as I'd love to be out doing uh, MC Events on weekends. And certainly, if people were going to be offering me four and 5,000 to do an MC event, I'd be out every weekend. But uh, no, Uh, but um, I do remember many years ago, though, and it really galled me. It would have been back in the Celtic Tiger era. Uh, a well-known RT presenter at the time who will remain anonymous, was to do a local event uh, somewhere in the county of uh, Cork and she was being paid, I think at the time it was something like £2,500 or maybe it was euro, I don't know where we were at the time, and uh, uh, sort of coming very close to the event couple of days before the event, she looked to double uh, the price, and obviously the local committee that she was working with uh, said no, they couldn't afford it and then she said well, she wasn't going to do it and they came and asked me at very short notice if I were willing to go along and MC it and obviously I wouldn't see anybody uh, short and stuck so I, I did, I said look I'll go along and, and I'll do it and I remember on the night they gave me a bouquet of flowers and said thank you very much, <laughs> on your merry way so <laughs> I learned over the years as well how how local radio people are Uh, Are felt about by some uh, compared to when you get the so called stars uh, arriving. Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Now all this week and today is our final day. We have hooked up with the wonderful Maldron Hotel. So later on today on the program we've got our final overnight stay for two people, bed and breakfast. Overnight stay in the Mouldroom, which is located right in the heart of Cork city centre. It makes it the perfect place for a break in the rebel uh, county. And we will be asking you to identify our final famous duo. We'll do that later on. Since early 2016, there has been repeated boil water notices issued to approximately 9,500 people who were served by the White Gate Water Supply Scheme, with some families and businesses having spent thousands of euros on bottled water. To find out the effects of this issue and is there any hope in sight for those living in that area of East Cork, I'm joined uh, by local Sinn Féin Dahl deputy, Pat Buckley. Good morning Chi Pat.
3: Good morning, Patricia. And,
2: and and you're welcome to the programme. OK, first can you explain to listeners, what are the reasons given for these boil water notices uh, from Whitegate?
3: Well, to be honest with you, Patricia, it's been a, an ongoing saga. And forgive me for laughing because I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, they're saying that the water is muddied or cloudy or whatever. It's an ultraviolet light that they need for cleaning that water. But, I mean, I, I've been raising this constantly over the last seven years and it's now become farcical for the very fact that, you know, that I think it was the last time I spoke was in Jan- uh, late January, and they told me they were waiting for a part, and I actually said it the other night uh, to the minister that was on. I said, you'd have a better chance of probably going to AliExpress or Wish.com to get the part. It's taken so long to fix it. But the crux here is that, you, as, you, as you said in your intro there, over nine and a half, possibly 10,000 people um, been on a boil water notice constantly, at a, at a major cost. And not a mention of compensation, not a mention of a bottle of water to be supplied to these people. And I did raise it with the minister um, Tuesday night here, that um, the fact that you had a broken water in Dublin a number of weeks ago, and within two hours that I had the tanker down.
2: Oh God! And 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 it got fixed very quickly.
3: Absolutely, it made
2: headline news. Yeah, uh, absolutely, okay, it's amazing. What they're saying is, and this might make sense to somebody, the supply is coming through highly silted underground channels. Conventional ultraviolet treatment to kill bacteria can't pass through the silt. Is
3: well, that, uh, that's I brought, Well, yeah, yeah, I brought that up before as well. I said, e silt. The issue was any time you had, um, we will say, bad rain or a lot of rain, obviously the boundaries or the, the levels of the holding tank and stuff, obviously the walls are too low. I mean, make it sense. I mean, I, I walked in this, Patricia, years ago. I walked in water and storage, so I know the crack. But the other side of it is, there's a separate water line that actually travels to it down to the refinery. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing wrong with uh, putting the T off that and connecting it on and using that as a temporary uh, solution. But it's never been even entertained. Every time I've mentioned it, it's never even been mentioned in a response. And it can be so frustrating. I mean, you have a lot of businesses yeah. that are down there, you know, that are, at a major cost. And I mean, we're coming in again into the summer season and we're looking enough to get a summer season in this country for the fact that there's been, they've just been totally ignored. And that's where my gripe is, the fact that if you're supposed to be a company that's supplying a service,
2: they're not supplying playing, it.
3: They're not, and people yeah, are Yeah, and rates I, I was—I
2: was trying to see when was the last boil water notice in place, and I think the last one was issued in uh, October. October. Um, and yeah. that—that's—that that, I'm open to question, but that one is still in place.
3: It's still in place, and, and another crux that we have here is, um, I mean, the whole area that's on that system, right? It's—it's it's a rural area, okay, and they're saying, "Oh, we put out notices on broadband." I mean, I had people come on to me and say, they weren't even aware of a boil notice. Something possibly maybe oh. four days later, when they read it on a, a newspaper. That's
2: a worry. That's that a is. And okay. Very big and work. when they announced the boil water notices like they would have last October, are there are there water tankers in place for the nothing? Rest
3: of absolutely zip. I remember as young fella, and you probably remember uh, years ago. We said if there was a breakage in the water main or something, it was the local farmer that was you know, called upon with his milk churns and he brought those milk churns to the the, the main street of the town or village. And, people, and everybody yeah, fed from it. Everyone went up their containers. it was simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. here, no, no, this is seven years. It's absolutely farcical. And the one and thing I
2: feel, and whenever I have to read out a boil water notice, uh, particularly in the last year, my heart sinks for the people because electricity prices are so high. If you have to boil water for all of the usage in your household, that is going to run up your electricity bill, because we know kettles are oh, very heavy on electricity.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, and I know in parts of East Cork's place, represent, I can tell you, below Incline, uh, which which, was, which is affected by this boiled water notice, the, I suppose, the, the level of, um, oh, I can't think what it's called, the lime that's in the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember raising this even when I was in town council, that kittles weren't only being called disposable, but washing machines and showers were being called disposables because of the high content of lime in the the system. So I do think that, you know, Irish War have left the people of, we say, uh, that are on the White Gate scheme, and I mean, that stretches all the way from, we say, from Gary Vaux back into Middleton, all the way down to the White Gate area, down to Chebolgan Saline. Oh, you could. I could it's go a wide area. Does he,
2: It even affects parts of Middleton.
3: Yes, it does. Yeah, all the way it's into South Benlucar. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think it's farcical that there's been zero, um, I suppose, contact with people and residents. Zero updates. No, uh, no. The latest update we have that this won't be, if if they can do it, won't be resolved till um, 2025. And yet, not one person that has been affected by this has got as much as a bottle of water. From Irish Water. It's I think seems, it's an it seems
2: really unfair. So, if the ultraviolet treatment isn't uh, working, uh, and it doesn't look like because of the way the water supply is coming through this highly silted uh, underground channels, d- are HK are now looking at a new treatment procedures a new way to make the water safe?
3: Well, it's supposed to start with seven years, but just you'd think they'd, they'd probably come up with a plan B, wouldn't you? I mean, this is what, what really is the crux of the, the scenario here. I'm going. For Crane out no lads, if A isn't working, you have to have a plan B. If plan B doesn't work, you have to have a plan C. But don't take seven years for ten thousand people to be constantly on and off on and off on boil water notices until this day, up to, till Tuesday this week, I didn't even get a proper response from the minister to say what's happening.
2: Yeah, and I just can't believe, I mean, obviously with the electricity cost gone, gone so high, I'm assuming families are weighing it up, it's it's cheaper, is it, to go out and buy all your bottled water?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. But then again, that's an additional cost. And anybody that needs uh, medical needs, there doesn't seem to be any plan for those. I mean, if you were running any kind of a business and you were, you know, uh, we'd say serving the public on whatever business it was, that your main priority would be your IE customers. But here, it's just a matter of, um, sorry, lads, we can't do it at the moment. We're not going to tell you anything. We'll plod along here. We'll keep charging the businesses. Uh, we won't keep in contact with you. And uh, by the way, uh, it might be another year or two. We're not too sure yet. I mean, that's a, an absolutely it's, shocking it's way to run it, it, a business. Because and let, a shocking way to treat people.
2: And let's call it a spade a spade. A spade. Access to proper water is a UN human right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, people in in that area do not have access no. to clean, proper water.
3: No, and what I can't understand, Patricia, here is the fact that when it was in, you know, when it was in the remit of the local services, local councils and stuff, it was a far better service, a far more um, robust service. It might not have been the best of uh, quality as in I, your pipes and whatever, but the service always worked. Go back before HGIR and took it over. How many buying water noises have you ever heard
2: of? Very few, very, rest, very I rest, few. I rest. I rest. Whereas we seem to be calling them out so often here on the program. Are another burst and the water has gone. Oh yeah, or, I, have um,
3: listened to you. Uh, yeah. You, you're something similar below on yeah, yeah, yeah. I my eyebrows and nearly got off my head. Yeah, and and you know, so and much. with
2: everybody buying the bottled water, um, and uh, it was something I thought about, and I saw one of the local councillors Susan um, McCarthy obviously thinking the same same as me. She lives in Middleton. Yeah. She's saying with all the plastic plastic. plastic bottles, all the plastic bottles that are generated because of the the water problem I mean only yesterday I was talking with a professor from UCC about the amount of plastics that's ending up in in our oceans and here we have uh, you know, a state body that is saying to families well you can't drink the water out of the tap the families are going to say electricity is too expensive, go out and buy bottled water I can't believe that there isn't even tankers uh, available. Does it
3: not not surprise the potential? It's it's frustrating We had had a, a refund scheme uh, back in 2018 uh, Brian Stanley proposed it here in the all and they wouldn't wear it and it was the fact that and we were saying it's, it, this is not an idea this is actually a solution and might be trifold for the fact that if you brought in this re- refund scheme on plastic bottles and glass bottles and cans the children maybe 14 to 16 year old that are on holidays they can't get a job obviously because of legal reasons would be able to get down to the beach in the Boreen pick all this stuff up yeah. get a few bob for it so you were now recycling, you were now cleaning, you were also educating. Well, that, also isn't, isn't
2: that coming in next
3: year? It's supposed to, yeah. It's about time. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a,
2: Okay, somebody wants to know, you, please ask Pat Buckley, does he think Irish Water should be scrapped?
3: Absolutely. Give it back to local authorities. I mean, we know the issue is there with the councils at the moment and they're trying now to take the council workers and transform from the council payroll and benefits over to Irish Water and I, to- I, I, I totally disagree with it. I do personally think myself that the water services should go back into the remit of your councils, your county councils and your local councils. And from my experience in working with water and storage for nearly, what, 22 years, I definitely know how it works. I mean, we could talk about it here. you would hear people saying, oh, damn, people are down there that were fixing the water, main. a couple of days later it broke again. I know why it broke. It's a game that's been played.
2: But a lot of our pipes are very older, and they just need to be replaced. Yeah, but
3: I mean, I mean, we and that we was
2: the whole idea of of of, Ishka, of Irish of water. Now we're Yeah, they were going to modernise the water system I, in I this can, country.
3: I, I, I can't say it's been, you know, more more complica- complicated than modernised. I think is the word. No, I mean, you you'd be well aware, and you'd be well versed on the amount of people you talk about when it comes to Irish water, and the fact that I mean. Irish Water are responsible for cleaning all the gullies or as we used to call them years ago the shores on the mm. main streets and whatever right that's not been done by Irish Water and then you're wondering when we have a flash flood where's the water going it has no yeah, reason, people constantly has go. talking
2: it? about the man with the shovel who used well, to
4: go the out. man with the
3: shovel and the JCB is gone because Irish Water won't do that but their local county councils will do it and that's why my firm believe it if it's, if it's local keep it local yeah. Why we'll be trying to nationalise something and the biggest worry there is it, it's always for profit not for quality or for the purpose of working for the people and that's what okay. really really uh, frustrates me
2: Okay and I know Ishka Aaron have put forward a proposal but as you say this is after seven years for well, a 20 million euro upgrade of the water system Cork County Council have granted planning permission for the upgrade however objections now have been lodged uh, yep. Ishka Aaron had hoped that the system would be op- had hoped the system would be operational by the end of 2025 uh, but the best case scenario now is sometime in twenty twenty six. Absolutely
3: not a disgrace. That's
2: exactly what the people of East Cork so don't what, what, want to hear. The,
3: no, and what are the people and what are the businesses going to do from here till twenty twenty six? Yeah, and it's, and that's it's only, and if I know it happens.
2: It's compensation because I know I saw with um, your fellow TD in East Cork, uh, David Stanchion, he was calling for compensation as well, and um, and I think so was um, James O'Connor. I mean, the people need to be compensated.
3: Well, absolutely, we can't. It's Wouldn't not. It fair. Yeah. Reimbursed, I mean, I mean, genie macaroni. I mean, what century are we in? You know what I mean? Yeah, not when it's not going down back so long. not the 15th or 16th You know, if it's,
2: a, if it's a day or two and there's a burst water pipe, when well, it's you an inconvenience, that. you put up with it, but not yes. something that's going on this long. And, or, and,
3: and to make it worse, there is an option there, Patricia. There is a separate water supply going down into that area, and I can't see where well, they can't tee off that and use that as a temporary measure to sort it out. It okay. seems to be causing problems to get support. And it's, I think it's just fast absolutely farsco that okay. so many people have been left out. We we'll leave it a there. We we'll
2: leave it there, Pat. We'll, we'll speak again. Thank you for that, no, oh, thanks uh, for very joining much. us. Sure, yeah. That is uh, Cork East uh, Sinn Fein Deputy uh, Pat Buckley on the issues pertaining to the Whitegate water supply and the bones of uh, 10,000 uh, people constantly. At the moment, they've been on a boil water notice since last October. There had been hopes that it would be lifted uh, and discontinued by now, but it's now been extended for the foreseeable uh, future. Mary says, Patricia, I live on Iona Road in Cork. The water was brown coming from the tap yesterday evening. We didn't get any water kind of regards Mary. Uh, Well, I I mean, and I'm, when you say you didn't get any warning, that could just have been the amount of rain that fell. You know the way sometimes you get a very brown, brownish water. And if you let the tap run, I'm, I'm assuming that that's possibly uh, all it was. Particularly if you haven't heard that there's a boil water notice or there's a water outage uh, in your area. Now, yesterday I spoke to UCC Professor John Quinn. John was a co-author of a study outlining how seabirds are affected by the risk of plastic exposure in our oceans. I mentioned to Professor Quinn a young. Irish environmentalist who had won a prize at the European Inventors Award for a substance he's created that helps to remove microplastics from water. The inventor is Fionn Ferreira who is originally from Bally and is currently working with the University of Texas to scale up his invention and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you Fionn. Good morning. And you're very welcome to the uh, programme. And firstly, well done and uh, congratulations uh, to you on this uh, award. You you use a product that uses Ferrero Fluid, which was something I hadn't heard about. I had to Google that yesterday. So can you just explain to us how your product works?
5: Well, essentially what I um, invented is inspired by the coastline of West Cork. Um, The way it works is a little bit like if you've ever walked along the seashore and you've seen a piece of oil spill residue and plastic stuck to it. Um, essentially, plastics are what we call non in chemistry and likes attract likes. My liquid can attract these plastics from water and attach them to something magnetic like that, allowing us to pick up the plastics just using a magnet.
2: And how long have you been working on the invention?
5: Well, I'm 22 now and I started working on this when I was about 14 or 15 in West Cork um and it really started first with trying to measure plastics there isn't actually a standardized method to measure for microplastics or even larger plastics in the oceans and i wanted to see how much there was in west cork because nobody had looked at that before so i built this machine called a spectrometer which shines light through samples and i saw that water was full of plastic in fact we were consuming over five grams of plastic every single week so then what I realized is nobody's doing anything about it. So I had to do something. So I started with using the tools I had at home, which included wood and Legos to build this solution. <laughs>
2: That is that is incredible. So you, as you, one does. As one does, yeah, as a 14-year-old <laughs> decides to do, get out the Lego there and a bit of wood and see what I will come up with. Now, you came third in this in this European Inventor uh, Awards. Uh, publicity from awards like that, uh, film, does that help you to take the product to the next level?
5: Of course. So um, you might recall that uh, a couple of years ago, I actually competed in the BT Young Scientist. I do. Where I got one of the top awards as well. And really, awards like this one and many others, like the Google Science Fair, first of all, give credibility. Because quite frankly, I understand the scientists here. The scientists say, well, you're this young guy who, well, I only graduated with a bachelor's a year ago in chemistry, but at the time I didn't have any qualification, have this kind of almost magical method that is based on him walking around in the middle of nowhere in Ireland. Like, I get why they don't believe me. So, (laughs) conferences and awards like this one, increase the credibility around what I do and allow me to get funding. In fact, most of our funding comes from Robert Downey Jr.'s Footprint Coalition at the moment.
2: Yeah, how how did that come about? He obviously heard you speak or he heard about your your product somewhere.
5: Oh, that one was actually very interesting. I um, was speaking at the World Economic Forum in 2020 and I was sitting in the speaker's lounge and I I was walking past somebody and I kind of recognised him, but I don't know I had never really watched Iron Man or anything but he was he came up to me and he was like hi like what are you here for and I said well I'm working on microplastic solutions and he said oh come to my uh, hotel bar and we should discuss further tonight so then I went and I, I remember telling my mom like this this guy like, Robert he wants um he wants uh, to talk to me about my invention this could be interesting and I showed her a picture and she was like, oh, this, this, you know.
2: (laughs) Thank God the Irish mammy was able to come in and help you out on that one. That could have been embarrassing.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, it it was an interesting one. But uh, then from that, we really sprung a partnership. And we have a lot of two-way communication now, which makes it really easy for us to to work on uh, products like this.
2: And you kind of very, just very quickly breezed over the fact you were speaking at the World Economic Forum when you were,
5: what, about 20 Um, I was actually uh, 18 at the time. How did that come about? Well, um, as a result of all these different awards and fairs, I've actually started speaking a lot about youth involvement. How can we build better ways to support young inventors? So at the moment, for the last about four years, I'm going to a conference approximately once a week to speak. It's also a way of income for me as a student. Um, But it also means that I can inspire hopefully a lot of youth, but also decision makers to take the ideas of youth more seriously.
2: And how is work going on scaling up your product to a commercial model?
5: Well, our device is really different to what it was four years ago. Four years ago, I had a beaker where I could pour in water and remove the plastics. Now I have a device where water can flow through and the plastics are removed passively. It works astoundingly well. It also is ready to be built in inflow. Now, all I need is a little bit more funding to make this a lot bigger into a wastewater treatment plant scale but really we're very very close to it being implemented and we actually have pilot locations already identified for this
2: that's fantastic I, and actually i saw the video uh, clip on your uh, website yesterday of the in the beaker showing how it works i mean it's <laughs> it's like magic it literally is uh, like it's so uh, magic cool, right? and you uh, unbelievably and and you are uh, you're, you're in is it the netherlands i saw is that where you're studying
5: Yeah, so I study in the Netherlands. I'm currently um, going into the final year of my master's in chemistry. Okay. Um, And I actually work mainly on uh, spectroscopy, which I know is slightly different, but it's like how light interacts with molecules. Because I'm an inventor. I don't want this to be my last invention. I want this invention to make a change, and I want to make more inventions that make more changes. So to do that, I need a toolkit of ways to do that. And that's why I study chemistry. Do you get back to de Harbour much? I will be back in Ballið Harbour in about a week.
2: In about a week, okay. And, uh, and if uh, the, I go, the, I go back
5: about three, three to four times a year. And who's and ba- who's in Ballið Harbour?
2: Who's in Ballið Harbour? The rest of the family there?
5: Uh, yeah, my parents and grandparents are in Ballið Harbour. Okay, because I'm originally. So I I was born in Cork, but my parents are half German, half. Portuguese.
2: I was wondering where the surname uh, came from and you know (laughs) something having having looked at your website yesterday and having spoken to you now this morning uh, Fionn, the world is certainly in a very safe place if we have more people, more young people like you so continue to do what you do and continue to inspire uh, others uh, because you really are a credit uh, to this country and to your family. Listen it was a real pleasure speaking to you Fionn, thank you for that
5: thank you very much and thank you for sharing my story too
2: well we'll follow your career closely thanks Fionn <laughs> God bless take care bye bye isn't he wonderful that is Fionn uh, Ferreira and actually if you just google him and you'll get onto his website and if you see his invention it really is uh, incredible but the world is in safe hands I think when we have young people like Fionn uh, in it Mike and Bantry listening to young Fionn about his invention to try to get plastics and microplastics out of water so the simple solution is we've got to stop buying and using anything plastic yeah and the, the the plastic that we are buying and we are using we need to make sure we are we are recycling it uh, responsibly We are talking about boiled water notices and in particular that area of East Cork, nearly seven years on and off with boiled water notices, it really is a tough tough uh, place uh, to be in when just, there seems to be no end in sight, whatever but as I mentioned uh, to Pat Buckley, if there's a water break and you know you're without water well it's hugely inconvenient uh, to be without water but at least if you know they're working to fix it and it'll be back on in a couple of hours or even in a day you kind of put up with it but to know you're on this boil water notice and there's no end in sight has got to be so frustrating for the people of East Cork. Michael says hi Patricia I'm sick of listening to water breakages and announcements of boil water notices. Why don't all of the rural TDs call on the government to spend some of the surplus billions that they currently have in the Exchequer and use it to overhaul and replace water systems and pipes all over the country. The money would be a one-off operation, not a year-on-year spend on the Exchequer, which obviously the government... Are constantly saying they want to avoid. Remember all the cries that when we had all the money during the Celtic Tiger eras and we didn't know what to do with it? Now we have it. Use it and we need to use it wisely, says uh, Michael. And can I say you are a wise man, Michael. Thank you for that. Whatsapping 0862103103. Now we got this in by um, WhatsApp or text, I'm not sure, from Catherine. And we decided to call Catherine and ask her to come on because she wants to do a thank you. And I think it will come better from herself. Than me just calling it out. Uh, good morning, to you, Catherine. Good morning, Patricia. And uh, firstly, how is your husband doing? Is he okay? He's okay now, Patricia. A, he's okay. Yeah, he's, okay. He's on
6: continuous treatment, but he's he's fine. At he's the doing morning. okay.
2: So he I is. need to take it back to not last Monday. Last Monday, week George. the twenty sixth yeah. of June. Tell That's us what. Not. Tell us what happened.
6: Well, Patricia, we we had an urgent appointment in Cork at the DUH, and we hit it off in the morning at about half six, and just as I turned off go to Blarney I was just on the Blarney roads and when I was changing gear I couldn't get into gear and the next thing the car stopped and we were in an awful state then because this was 10 past 7 and John's appointment was at 40 to 8 so I didn't know what to do so the next thing was I got out of the car and this kind of dark blue car came along and there was a man in it uh, very nice man on together and he was going to work in tower but when he saw how stressed we were he decided he'd drive john from me straight to the coh and with everything happening in the car was on the side of the road i had to stay with the car then to get the sos truck out so they had a big conversation going up with with, with regards holding and that okay but my husband. Just didn't think he thanked him, of course, but he just didn't think to get his name where we could have sent him a card or something you know in yeah. appreciation because he was meeting his boss that myself as well he was meeting his boss at such and such a time, but he still took that time you know to drop John to the and we were very grateful for it.
2: And he was going to tower, so he yes. was going out of his way, way. to drop yes. John to CUH. That's right, he
6: did. He went out of his way to drop John.
2: God so, the the
6: yeah, I, I all, they were I, so good
2: of him. So I'm always them. blown away by the yeah. random kindness yes. of strangers.
6: Yes. yes. And it was it was the morning now where there were loads of cars going to work and everything, but like he just, he was the first car that came on. And while I was sitting there, there were several cars passing. But, like, he stopped straight away, like, and just took him off there.
2: Quite a decent and, guy. Yes, quite and... a decent guy. And all
6: I know was the car was sort of navy blue. It could have been a focus, you know, it had a sort of a hatchback in it. Yeah. But, like, I, I was stressed myself. I got with the car here, then at the side of the road, trying to figure out what to do. So, like, none of the two of us in, in the heat of the moment asked his name his
2: name you know? yeah and what, you know? it, what age of a man to I, I, do? I, I don't I hope I'm complimentary yeah a party, a share, okay okay and you know? and he didn't mention where he was going to work in Tower what no, he worked he at didn't. no
6: but he, he did have I did Have an ABS jumper on him, and there could have been something written on a logo, yeah, 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 you know, a work logo or something, you
2: know. So, you uh, you just want to get the message out firstly to say thank you, and and ideally, if we could find out the man's name now, if he's not listening himself, he might have mentioned it to maybe the the wife or the. His mother. His yeah, yeah he's boss. He yeah. yeah. That was great. Did John get to see you UH on time? He got
6: to see you UH on time, he did. He was five minutes before time. Brilliant. He, he, he was able to have his treatment from that night, which was great.
2: And then what happened to you sitting in the broken down car? <laughs> me then, that, that
6: Actually, that's another good thing is that the man that came along to tow away the car actually drove me into Blarney to get the bus. Okay. So I got the bus into the city and then a bus out of the CUH to to get John then outside the CUH and then we got a lift home so we were fine then after that when he was finished.
2: And was there a major problem with the car?
6: We He we only got it back yesterday so He's gone down for the bill this morning. Oh no! Is it? Yeah. Is it the yeah. gear? Was it the it gearbox? Needed, it, yeah, he needed uh. a new clutch and something else. Oh this, yeah. anyway. but, but, but anyhow, that's the least of our yeah. concerns.
2: Yeah. You might but need, need do, mean, you might need a double brandy when he comes home with know. the bill. Okay, so the call has gone out. It was and uh, thank you very much. Patricia. Listen, our, our yes. pleasure. Monday, the twenty sixth of June, and you're about. As, as it was about ten
6: past seven. Ten past seven. So somebody heading
2: to work, obviously needed to be in work for probably half. 7, that kind yes, of time. Yes, uh, so yes. he was slightly late on that morning. So he may have mentioned it to the boss why he was late because he was yes. very kindly dropping okay. our John yes, uh, to yes. the treatment. Listen uh, Catherine thank you for that and if thank we you hear anything much. we have your details. God bless. You mind, much, yourself, much. mind yourself mind yourself. It would be lovely if we could track down that uh, gentleman's name just so that we could publicly thank him. And I know uh, Catherine and her husband John would just love to send him a card just to say uh, well done. And as they say that random act of kindness somebody driving along heading to work and you see somebody at the side of the road just literally pulling in Can I, you know are you okay is everything alright but then to turn around and do that go out of his way whatever about if somebody is passing and say oh that's on my way you know I can easily drop you off but to go out of his way which obviously would have made him uh, late for work uh, as well so well done to that uh, kind kind man 0818 103 103. let me look at some of your commentary coming in uh, Pat in Canturk, and this is on Marty Morrissey and RTE Pat said he was chatting to some people uh, last night and he couldn't get over why so many people were looking into who exactly was the person who had the loan of the car for the uh, 5 years and he said during the course of the conversation people were chatting about the fact that the RT presenters charge for MC events uh, etc but he said i think he said many people are forgetting the reason that the people are asking so much questions about RTE is the fact that they're making so much money in their salaries and then on top of it, they're able to make all of this extra money kind of like nixers on the side. But Pat's saying the only reason that they get all of those jobs is why is because they're working for the national uh, broadcaster. So he reckons we do need to see change within RTE. He said the same thing was happening in BBC. Uh, they, there has been change going on over there for years. He said we'll have to see the same happening here in Ireland. We need more transparency. 0818 103 103. Some of your WhatsApps in uh, Patricia, could you play a song for Marty? It's a long, long way from Claire to RTE. That's uh, Frick and his attempt at humour this morning. Hi Patricia, I'd be interested to know if that man, Marty Morrissey, who had the car for five years, will he have to repay the travel allowance expenses he receives whilst using the car? Well, in Marty Morrissey's statement yesterday he clarified that and he said he while yes he did have use of the free car from Renault he wasn't getting uh, a travel allowance at the same time that was one of the rumour mills that went away that he had a travel allowance from RTE and he was getting the free car he had no stage received a travel allowance from RTE Uh, John says Patricia it is time uh, it is time for RTE to call it a day. Uh, John Fias is rotten to the core and Marty should be made to pay for five years car rental. Eventually the whole country will be working for favours with no cash changing hands. What a rotten, corrupt, corrupt country says uh, John. Someone else says I hope Marty Morrissey was insured to drive that car for the last five years. The reason I question it is I bought a car a little while ago and it was registered in the garage's name and it wasn't changed over to my name, due to an oversight the insurance company contacted me told me that I would have to have an insurable interest in the vehicle in order to be covered under my own insurance policy presumably Renault insured Marty Morrissey as well to drive the vehicle well yeah yeah there is a possibility uh, on that as well that they were covering the cost of the insurance and if the car was theirs obviously covering the cost of the tax uh, as well and another John says Patricia the people of Ireland need to stick together and vote to get rid of RTE uh, and this TV licence carry on. It's just another way of robbing people. Are we fools or what, says John. Just by the way, on the television licence, I listened with great interest yesterday to the... um, Minister Catherine Martin responsible for media and she failed to say outright that people should pay their TV uh, licence. Catherine Martin uh, said when she was asked would she advise people to pay their telev- television licence she said I'm not going to advise anyone I think what I'm saying is we must remember the good of public service broadcasting She went on to say the staff are hurting the staff feel betrayed the staff who need RTE it's their job of work they provide the vital service and the Minister's remarks come as there is a growing fear now within the government and obviously within RTE that an increasing number of people may now refuse to pay their licence fee amidst this ongoing controversy. Now, as we've pointed out, because we've had a number of people contact us to say that they're not, they've are not they paid it every single year, not going to pay it uh, this year. Uh, but we, uh, we, we have pointed out you are legally obliged if you own a television, you are legally obliged to pay. A television license, 160 euro a year, and out of all the money that's collected, approximately. 85% of that licence goes to RTE and the reason they get it is to carry out their public servicing broadcasting uh, commitments. But Catherine Martin yesterday anyway uh, said she she wouldn't advise anyone. She's kind of leaving it up to people but pointed out why it's important. And that's kind of in contrast to the Taoiseach yesterday because he was unequivocal that people should continue paying their TV uh, licence and he also said that he's going to continue uh, to pay the licence. He said, I think people should not just because it's the law but because it funds our news that we watch, our sports, our Irish language programmes our drama and our documentaries so that's interesting isn't it? The media minister not saying, telling people you should go out but yet we have the Taoiseach unequivocally saying everyone pay your TV licence. 0818 103 103 lines open. C
0: 103 Jobs.
2: The Farm in Grenada, They've got vacancies for full and for part-time chefs. CVs please to marie at visitthefarm.ie. Part-time beauty therapist is wanted. It's for immediate start in Glengariff. CVs please to info at glengariffbeautylounge.ie. An electrical mate is wanted for a project in Ring of Skiddy. Now some experience is necessary. Call 87 1650527 and to Hollow Community Food Services they've got a vacancy for a kitchen assistant 9.30am to 2.30 in the afternoon it's a Monday to Friday position and the number to call is 029 76375 and Linda is your uh, contact you'll find all of the details and more job opportunities by going online now You just need to go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: Court today
1: on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. See MIG.ie.
2: Well, a lot of people know exactly where they would like to be buried when that day comes. And for many, it's usually an area where maybe they grew up or where they have other family members buried. The Southern Star newspaper is highlighting a case this week of an elderly woman who's having difficulties getting a plot. In a cemetery of her choice. Former Mayor Independent Councillor Danny Collins has raised uh, this lady's plight at a meeting of the West Cork Municipal District and uh, Danny joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Danny.
7: Morning, Patricia. Morning to your listeners.
2: uh, Now, this particular lady wants to be buried in Skull. Uh, are Are there no plots available in Skull? Is that the problem?
7: Um, basically, if um, this lady, her family are, 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 are buried in Skull, and of course she, she wants to be buried in Skull, and when one of her relatives went to find out, um, to, or to get a plot, he was told, um, like, the way now, the county council do it, which is I, I do I do agree with, is like, when um, a person dies, that's when you need to go to get a plot. You, you apply for a plot. And when he went just to inquire about it, he was told, there would be no plots of skull for the lady if she died in the very near future. And he, like, of course, this was very stressing for him, stressful for him to hear this. And um, he said, "What, where would they, where would she be buried if she can't be buried in skull? Like, And he was recommended that she could go to either Lachine or Dunmanwe. So, um, basically, I'll be quite honest, uh, he rang me as a local counsellor and um, I listen to his voice because I, I couldn't answer the call at the time when he did ring and I could hear the stress in his voice and I, when I rang him back um, look what you got he taught me the story that he rang um, the council offices and this is what he was told and like you know be quite honest Um, in this day and age I think and look I this highlight this back in, in Scotland a number of years back and at the time a number of plots were were found and but like you know, I have been calling and it's not only Skull around it's Skull alone, it's it's Kilcrahan, Goleen, um, Gringarf, which I do know Glengarf is started at the moment is being started at the moment. But um, like, you know, we can't believe it to the last minutes. And you know, like when 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 a grave is needed, that there's no graves there. Again, it it has happened since where a gentleman has died in England and uh, he's been brought home in mid July again, when his family rang, thought the same thing, but since then I have, um, we have started a, a plot for this gentleman, so he will be buried in Skull in a few weeks later.
2: Yeah, and I'm just thinking, uh, Mike, uh, Danny, uh, the distress it must cause to a family when they go to, you know, it's a sad time, somebody's passed away, they're trying to organise the funeral service and all of that, and then they go to try to get a plot, and it's, it's kind of in our DNA. We like to be buried with our own. We like to be buried with our own family and, and usually it's an area where we've grown up in. It must only add to the distress of a family when they suddenly find out there actually isn't a plot available in the cemetery, particularly knowing that the person who's passed away wants to be buried in that cemetery.
7: Very much so. Um, like, as I've just stated there, like the, the gentleman who's, who's dead in England at the moment and being brought home in July, he, um, it was uh, an aunt of his that rang me, and like, like I could I could hear her or stress on the phone. Like, and like, like she told me he he lived in skull most of his life, like, and now lived in England. But he wanted to be buried. His back wish, wish was, his wish was, to come back yeah. to his
2: people, yeah, to come back to yeah. his yeah. To, yes. to his people. Um, and at one point in time, were you able to pre-book a plot in? It? Were you able to buy a plot in advance?
7: Yes, yes. Um, many carpet, years ago. Good, many years ago, what you call it. But um, what was happening here, like, maybe people were buying two or three plots and didn't need them. Like, and now, like, there's plots lying there. And, you know, I don't know. Is there any way around it, like, um, that people who could give them back? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah maybe, they, they, like, if they had bought a couple. But uh, many years ago, th- this did happen. But um, not anymore now. Um, we. It, when you pass away, is the time that you maybe go to your local undertaker, and he arranges for a plot to be bought from the council, and that's how it is. It, it, it works now.
2: Okay, but th- th- we need a long-term solution to this because uh, this is obviously something that's only going to get uh, worse. Do we simply? Yeah. Do, I mean, Skull. Let's, let's stay with Skull. Does Skull need a new graveyard?
7: Skull basically needs a good acre land at least, and for a new graveyard, basically at the moment. Um, there there is a, there's two pathways we take down into the graveyard in Skull and um they are gonna know to use one of the pathways as as for graves, but and um, works has to be done on that, on that bit of ground first before um anything happens. But um this will be to- thirty two yeah,
2: yeah, but that's only thirty two.
7: 30, only 32 graves, that's it. Yeah. Another couple of years down the road. What do you call it, We'll be in the we'll, same You'll we'll be again. back
2: on the radio with, it probably won't be me, but whoever's here, you'll we'll be back on talking about uh, having the same uh, discussion. And as you mentioned, there are other areas, uh, Glengariff, Goline, Skibbereen, uh, Kilcrohan. I mean, are the, are the council looking at buying extra land?
7: They're finding it very difficult in certain areas. Um, I, I know they're finding it difficult in Kilcruhane at the moment. This, I, I have brought this up at meetings numerous times. The people at Kilcruhane have been have contacted me numerous times on it. But um, goline as well is, a, is an area like that's lacking grace. Glengarf at the moment, um, there is. Um, that's, that's, that's rolling at the moment. We, I think um, that land has been sought there. So, um, so th- th- at least there is a good news story. But like... Look, Skull, they know about it for the last, we'd four or five years.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync... Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
7: And basically, like as I said at our meeting um, uh, last week, I said the checkbook needs to be opened and and a, a, a suitable plot of land has to be bought because this can't be going on like after maybe just... Like, as we stated there, 32 years now, um, um, thought maybe for that, that will only cover maybe a couple of years, like, and we'll, we'll be back to the same Part story square as we one, yeah. There.
2: yeah, um, the, the elderly lady, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about this elderly lady, and, and, and I know it was a relative of hers went to uh try to get the this the plot. I'm assuming she is she trying to get her affairs in order,
7: is that what is yes, her, it's, like, it's at her, it's her request, I like will get her ducks in a row, basically, what you call them. Um, I suppose to be, be um, to be quite honest, I, I think she she's in a little bit ill health at the moment. So, um, like you know, her relative was trying to make sure that everything was um, in line for her. That like you know, like be ready. Like you know, yeah. and yeah. Was, like when 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 he, when he went to find out, and was and found this story out. He, like it kind of shocked him, and he he was fairly distressed over. To be quite honest, do but, do um, we do we know
2: Danny there, if the lady has been informed? To, to the I can't lady. answer
7: that. I, I, I honestly I, I can't. I hope that
2: she does. Myself. I hope she doesn't know because there'll be, you know, there'll be, and and no doubt there are a number of older people who are aware that there's less and less plots uh, available, and it's just so sad to think of them at the end of their days, worried about where they're going to be buried.
7: Um, yes, like um, I know um, there's a plan for skull to, um to build the Columbarium mall which really like you know will take up, it would, you know, t- take up very little space and would, you know, would, would help for the, the cremation of people who are crem- cremated. And we do have one here in Bantry. Um, look, but like the big issue here is Corkoley also need to buy land or look at existing land maybe that they do own. Is it suitable for a graveyard?
2: Yeah, cremation possibly is the way forward, but not everybody likes the idea of being cremated.
7: No, not everybody. Uh, I wouldn't be to be honest for myself. If I did pass away in the morning, I, I'd, I'd rather have an ordinary burial. Like, yeah, but um, you're I not. You're be, not a fan.
2: Into, you're not a fan. No, I would not No, no,
7: and I have nothing against it whatsoever. I've been, been to uh, uh, people who have been cremated at their funerals and whatnot. I have no problem with it. but just.
2: It's Do not my for you. As yeah. is it. very much a, a personal yeah. uh, choice. So yeah. you, you, you raised it and, uh, and I w- read in the Southern Star this week, a number of other councillors uh, had, you know, were saying similar things and, and, and hearing similar stories. So what have the executive said? Are they going to go away and look at land?
7: Well, yes. Look, we have found out since Portugal that they are going to as I've said, they are going to create 32 new graves, which we'll cover for the next few years. But like, as I stated, I said, look, we have to open up the cheque, we have to buy land and see what, where, 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 where we can buy, where we can get the suitable, suitable ground.
2: OK, OK. And hopefully for that elderly lady, uh, a plot will be available when her time comes. But, you know, please God, it won't be for, for many years. And the man coming back from, uh, from England, uh, Danny, has he been out of the area for many years?
7: Um, not not that long no. no. He, he, well, he's just been brought. He, he's been He isn't back yet, but um, you know, it takes a number of weeks in England for a funeral to go through process. So um, at least we had that time to, to, to get, play with yeah. But thing goes, like, but, you know? but has
2: he lived in England for many years? Do you know?
7: No I, no, I I can't say exactly, but like he did live in, in our In, in Skoll, in and he wants mostly. to, yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, and then the other uh, issue I want to have you on seeing as we're talking about graveyards, because we get calls in every now and again, is the maintenance of uh, graveyards. Can do do the council now outsource all of the maintenance work in graveyards?
7: Mostly, yes, Um, mainly for private contractors. Um, I was contacted now being... Over a couple of graveyards here in in, in my area my, itself. and um, uh, one of them has been done since. But um, yes, that what you got is outsourced to um, private contractors, and like basically, I suppose, really, you know, we don't really have enough people on the ground. We 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 have been stressing that for the number for a number of years. Our own constant staff. So like this is the way now forward. So um, what you got is um, outsourced. Um, private contractors.
2: Yeah, it's upsetting Danny for family members when they go particularly if it's around an anniversary or something and they're going to visit a loved one's grave and, and they, they can't get in or in or out the gate, the grass is growing so high, It is. it can be very upsetting for families.
7: Very much so but um, like as I say what you got to, I like normally I will say well from my own um, experience if I do report a, a graveyard it is done within a number of weeks like you know yeah. like, so like um, and there's great communities we- some
2: there's some great local communities go out and do their own graves as well and graveyards. Oh,
7: very much so and much got a lot of families look after their own graves around around the area as well. Like but um, but like um it's just I know I, I can I know what the people are going through. I mean, I have I, got different emails. I, I've actually got a phone call from a lady from Cork City who was down to a certain graveyard here in West Cork recently and um she was going to her family's um grave she rang me and she, she said, it was shocking the way the grave was. I did contact the local engineer at the time. And within a week or 10 days, the, done. the, the contractor was out uh, to have it done.
2: Yeah, but it shouldn't have to be that. You shouldn't have to contact your no. local public rep. But, uh, you know, back in the day when we had more council, outdoor council staff, these issues were never discussed because the council staff had a rotation of when they cut the graveyards and there was maintenance people and caretakers there the whole time.
7: Plus, you had a caretaker each yeah. for each graveyard around, but since they retired, they were never replaced. never
2: replaced, which is which is a real real loss. Uh, John says, uh, just wondering, could they open existing graves and add another coffin into the plot? Could that work? I don't think so. I think once a grave is full, it's full, isn't it, Danny?
7: Well, like uh, like my uh, I like bought these people now. I I well, uh, I, I can't answer that now. With with, 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 with to be honest, I don't know the the letters of the law or the wording yeah. of it. But um, I I like would like still like if a, if a person is it so many years before you can open a grave before if it if someone has, has died prior to it I I don't yeah know before that
2: another one is yeah but once a grave yeah. is full that's it as far as I know they that's don't it. unless you're talking it. about very historical graves and and you go back but then it, it, there be you know that's. Consecrated ground, and there's remains of whatever's left still in the, still in that grave. I don't know. I really don't know if that, if, a, if a solution like that could work. Anyway, listen, Danny, thank you for that. And um, thank thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning to you. That is Councillor Danny Collins. Uh, John in Cove has just been on to John Paul. Uh, says the Catholic Church and the Council have stopped selling graves in Cove. In John's opinion, years ago, people would have bought plots well in advance. Now, John feels Greed has set in, and you pay big money now to pay for a single plot in either of the cemeteries in Cove. It can cost up to six hundred euro. Are we trying to make a profit out of out of a death? Well, no. I mean, I think Danny. Um, I did ask Danny that question about how, in the past, people would buy plots in advance, and you would get families that might buy three three plots together. You know, and the two would go in, so six people could be buried all beside each other. But what has happened over the years? because demand for graves has uh, increased and you know the population is going up older population all of that what they discovered was they were running out of space in graveyards there was empty plots but somebody had bought them many many years ago and in some of the cases some of the plots that were bought many years ago people may even have moved out of the area and are never going to use the plots and the council certainly has a problem with that with unused uh, plots so they brought in that and I'm assuming it's possibly nationwide I don't think it's just here uh, in Cork that you can't Pre book a plot in advance, like you used to be able to do. Then, what you do now is that sadly, when a loved one passes away, with the next available plot, then that is available to the family is then uh, purchased. But are they expensive? Yeah, a plot is expensive for sure.
1: Protect. Brought to you by C103, the IBI and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours protect. ie for more info.
8: Today on Ours2Protect, to we talk to John Armstrong from the Cork Nature Network about biodiversity and why we need to protect it. But first, here's John explaining what the Cork Nature Network is.
9: So we are a charity based in Cork. Um, our aim is really to speak about conservation to kind of get people involved in conservation getting people involved with biodiversity within the city and county and also we've now kind of started to spread towards do more work around the rest of Ireland also to really get people reconnected with nature and also to show that in our cities around Ireland we have plenty of biodiversity and that we need to protect it more and more
8: Biodiversity is an environmental buzzword that is often thrown around without much thought going into actually what it means in our everyday lives in fact biodiversity is the very essence of what our everyday lives are made up of. From the food we eat to the animals that exist around us daily, biodiversity is all-encompassing and all around us. Here's John explaining what biodiversity means to the Cork Nature Network. Could you explain to me very briefly how biodiversity relates to Cork City and what it means? Um, I think firstly, it's hilarious,
9: it's a... It's a word that seems to be so nebulous. Um, Basically, it's bio and diversity. It is biological diversity is what it means. So it talks about all life is what biodiversity is. So trees are biodiversity, insects are biodiversity, grass biodiversity, even microbes are considered biodiversity. So that is basically what it is. How does it relate to Cork City in in general it's, Cork is a surprisingly biodiverse place a surprisingly green city if you look at look at Cork through an aerial photograph you will see that we have mountains of green areas within the city that not many places or not other many cities around the world can really have and I'd say would be quite jealous of again not all of this is public land a lot of it is kind of people's gardens and things like that but when it comes to biodiversity that is still exceptionally important um, cities are becoming more and more important for biodiversity in the in the last number of years, um, simply because of kind of our farming practices and in many ways, our farm practices, especially as we 're moving towards more uh, mechanized farming, it means that the, we have huge biodiversity loss within our rural areas, which means that cities are now becoming a safe haven for many species.
8: According to the Convention on Biological Diversity, Ireland has over 31,000 different kinds of species living on the island, and much of our diversity can be found on our coastline. But you don't necessarily have to go very far from your home to find nature. John tells us what you might find right on your doorstep.
9: i surprised what's in your garden. Again, hedgehogs are everywhere. I'd say almost every garden in Ireland has hedgehog. uh foxes You find a load of fox in the city now. Um, Things like that, even things like mice, you know, rats. People hate them, but they're there. You know, like they're they're wildlife, they're part of wildlife that we have in in our environment. So it's kind of see what we have. Then, so many of us are completely disconnected from our natural environment and from what it actually means to be in nature. Just go into a green area and sit for a minute. Sit for two minutes, and you'll see nothing's happening. And you sit for five, and it just seems if there's a world of insects just comes
8: alive around you. Despite being able to find thriving ecosystems in your own park or garden, biodiversity is under attack by human activities such as over-exploitation of natural resources. What can people in Cork do to be activists for biodiversity to engage with biodiversity more in their homes and their green spaces?
9: So as says to say, is to kind of contact our local politicians, our local councillors, and to tell them that you are actually interested in nature and that you are actually interested in these things because if no one tells them they will never know and I think we do have a growing amount of people especially you can see that when let's say a tree has been cut down in an area you can see people come out and they're annoyed that that tree has been cut down yet if they had said it in the first place that the tree, that they were interested in those trees or interested in that area then there would be less likely to it happen and again we forget the power of our own voice that we have um, speak to each other about it I think um, again the word of mouth the more people are interested in nature the more people speak about nature the more important it becomes um, finally and if you could join Cork Nature Network um, we are a great organisation we are doing many projects throughout the city um, Antrim County.
8: The theme of today's episode was the Cork Nature Network's mission to bring biodiversity consciousness to Cork. You can find out more about the work the Cork Nature Network do by visiting their website at www.corknaturenetwork.ie and following them on social media. For more tips and tricks on how to get in touch with your environment, check out the show notes of this episode.
1: to protect brought to you by c103 the ibi and funded by the commission naman with the television license fee check out rstoprotect.ie for more info
2: yeah, and Please go to that website, it's a mine of uh, information uh, and thanks to Alana once again for a great piece. Now I was going to mention this but I've just spotted a WhatsApp in about it. It's a, a story that's making the front page of the Irish Examiner today with uh, Owen English and I have to say I had to do a double take and read it a second time because I could not believe what I was uh, reading and it's to do with videos seemingly that have been posted up online showing teenagers hot wiring cars stealing cars and then hot wiring them and then driving them around at high speed and seemingly it's been done in attribution you know, of that young teenager who was killed last weekend in the stolen vehicle driving the the, the wrong way on at the motorway and seemingly these videos have been published on TikTok and on Snapchat they started to appear on Wednesday now Wednesday was the day that, that young Johnny Foley the 16 year old that was the day he was buried now he died last Saturday he was in the stolen Toyota Corolla. He was a front seat passenger, and of course, it crashed head-on when it was driving the wrong way uh, down the uh, M8. And the others, they were. The Gardaí say they were clocked at one stage at uh, driving at 175 kilometres per hour. That was on the old N8 near Kilbehany early on Sunday morning, and then, of course, they went the wrong way down the north bound lane of the M, uh, M8 of course at that stage the Gardaí abandoned their chase once they went the wrong way down the motorway then unfortunately minutes later got to this poor 37-year-old uh, woman who was driving in uh, a Kia. She was from Glenmire. head-on uh, collision and of course she is still in hospital. The driver, uh, the Johnny Foley was killed instantly. The driver is a 17-year-old boy. According to Owen English, he has sustained serious injuries. There was other passengers. There was a 16-year-old boy in the back seat of the car, a 19-year-old man and a 13-year-old girl. Uh, and then during the funeral mass for John Johnny Foley on Wednesday, which was held in the Church of the Assumption in Balifaham. His aunt Mary gave a note to the priest, uh, Father Gregory Howard, uh, to read out on behalf of the family. And in that piece, the aunt asked for young people to be careful. And the note read, accidents do happen when you have that temptation or feel a buzz. Try and reach an understanding that life can go so quickly. Don't dabble in dangerous things. Life is too precious and you are too precious to lose your lovely lives. And that's what was said at the Mass. However, then videos were posted online later on Wednesday showing these young men using pliers, screwdrivers and hammers to hotwire cars. One was posted with the comment, we're going to have it lit for you, Johnny just as you would have wanted. And the videos uh, show people some wearing hoods travelling around it up to 160 kilometres per hour in vehicles, pulling handbrake turns and then one clip actually showed a car been burnt out. Now, Gardise say they're investigating all of the circumstances surrounding the discovery of what is believed to be a car that was stolen in the Maryborough Hill area of Douglas at about half six on Wednesday morning. They were unable to provide statistics on how many cars have been reported stolen in Cork City Guard the Division in the last twenty four to forty eight hours and then when they were asked about these various social media posts, a spokesperson said on Garda the just in comment on third party social media uh, content, but isn't that just? truly shocking that young people of course young people feel they're absolutely invincible and it's never going to happen uh, to them and obviously none of them heeded the warnings from the aunt of young Johnny just to say you know that your life is uh, too precious but but, I mean surely the social media companies something can be done uh, whereby these young people can be uh, identified Uh, if not we're going to just see more and more tragedies on our roads Okay, Maldron Hotel all this week Uh, uh, thanks to the Maldron Hotel they've very kindly given us overnight stays for two people including a breakfast to go along to the Maldron Hotel in the heart of Cork City Centre making it a perfect place for a break in the Rebel County and because it's an overnight stay for two we've been talking about famous duos I'll give you one half of the duo you have to name the second half and then text WhatsApp along with your name and address to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. So to be in with the chance of winning today's overnight stay at the Maldron, complete this famous duo: Bonnie and Bonnie and what is the second name there? Please get texting it, WhatsApping oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. We'll leave it open for about ten minutes. And then we will select our winner for today who will be heading away on an overnight stay for two people, bed and breakfast in the Maldron Hotel. So Bonnie and who? who completes that uh, duo get texting and WhatsApping only please, please put your name and address on it as well 0862 103 103. Earlier on we spoke to Catherine who's trying to track down the man who very kindly helped her and her husband he was there knight in shining armour last uh, Monday week in taking her husband uh, John to his urgent appointment at uh, CUH Well Mary has contacted us and I don't know whether she heard Catherine or not but she was on to say that earlier this morning she was travelling on this 7.30am bus out of Mallow into uh, Cork City. It was the bus airing uh, service and she says the bus Aaron driver went out of his way to help Mary. First of all, he helped her to get off the bus and then when she got off the bus in uh, Capua, she needed to get to CUH. He helped to get a taxi for her and made sure she got to the taxi so she could get to her appointment in CUH. Mary says she doesn't have a name but she just contacts us to say he was the nicest man and that he's a credit to bus Erin. Uh, now sometimes the bus Erin drivers have us on, on the on the radio in the bus so maybe the same bus air bus driver is listening to us or somebody else in the know might know who regularly is on that service but more importantly who was driving the 7.30 bus out of Mallow heading into Cork City this morning. Does anybody have the name of that uh, gentleman? Because it would be nice to uh, recognise him. And thank you, Mary, for taking time out. I always think it's nice. We're great to complain, but it's always nice when you get good service or somebody goes above and beyond. Or like Catherine, you know, randomness of a stranger coming uh, to help her and her husband when their car uh, broke down heading into uh, Blarney. 0818103103. An Unusual request from Pat. He wants to know, where can he buy a pocket radio? I mean, I would imagine any, would any of the electrical shops still have pocket radios? I'm thinking maybe some of the discount stores, would they have a little pocket uh, radio? I haven't had need of a pocket radio in years, uh, Pat. I was always great for the little transistor radio. I went everywhere with the radio. But obviously now with having a smartphone and you can have LinkedIn uh, where you can, you can access radio stations from all over the world it's an incredible your phone is an incredible piece of technology isn't it so whenever I need I'm on the go and I need to listen uh, to the radio I can do it on, on my phone but that except not everybody has a smartphone so does anybody know where Pat can buy a pocket radio has anybody been in a shop lately where you might have spotted a pocket radio Always and we have to give a mention for this because it's kind of a it's a kind of a moment in history the Ford Fiesta is going out of of production. It's been in production now for 47 years and Ford are about to make their final Fiesta at their factory in Cologne in Germany and the reason for it is the site in Cologne in Germany that have been manufacturing the Ford Fiestas, they're now being modified and they're going to make room for more of their electric vehicles. So the last of the Ford Fiestas will be rolling off the production line. Would you believe over 22 million Fiestas have been sold uh, globally since it was launched in 1976 and many of us at some stage, I certainly owned a very trusty Ford Fiesta. It was a great little car. Many of us drove Ford Fiestas over the years and of course at one point Ford had a factory in Cork in the Docklands where it employed hundreds, hundreds of uh, workers and I'm assuming were some of the Fiestas made here in Cork as well but over 22 million of them have been sold so that certainly is the end of an era with the last of the Ford Fiestas rolling off the production line. 0818103103. Now, let me go back to some of your texts that have been coming in on issues that we have been addressing this morning. Um, let me just go back and see because there's just so many have uh, come in to us. Oh, this is a shout out as well, isn't it? It is it its for help with accommodation in Dublin. Let me get to this one first. Um, a couple have been on to us here at the programme. They have a relative who is in the Mater Private Hospital in Dublin and they are up and down currently from Dublin to Cork as the accommodation that they had in Dublin has fallen through. They're wondering if maybe an elderly couple or person who is living alone would be willing to rent a room to this couple or if anybody knows of a house share that would be suitable. All they need is a room to sleep in and a place to have a quick shower because they'll be spending all of their time at the hospital with their loved one in the Marcher Private Hospital. So we're doing the shout out to anybody that knows the Dublin area. Obviously a house somewhere around the Marcher Private so they they don't have to be doing a lot of travelling across the city. Maybe you've got a loved one, a relative living in Dublin that would be willing to rent out a room to this uh, couple who really urgently need to try to find accommodation. I mean obviously it would be too expensive to go down the Airbnb or the, or the hotel route in Dublin so they're looking for some kind of a house share or I, th- I think that example of maybe somebody living alone or an elderly couple because it's a way for them to make a bit of money as well and might be willing to rent out a room we obviously have all of the details of this uh, family, we're not giving any more information other than that but we have all of the details okay so we will hang on to those and keep our fingers crossed and hopefully maybe somebody will uh, come up with a solution for them. and Castle-Magner was on and this was listening to me I'm assuming talking to Pat Buckley Sinn Féin uh, Doll deputy who was talking about what was going on what is going on in Whitegate and the constant boil water uh, notices and how Ishka Aaron need to get the the finger out and do something about it and actually Pat went so far as as to say they should be disbanded. Anyway, Dennis wants to point out that his party, the Sinn Féin party, i.e. Pat Buckley's party, they were the ones totally opposed to the water charges. So that is why we are having all of these ongoing problems with our water systems. Dennis feels Sinn Féin want everything for nothing. When we had a problem outside, Dennis said we had a problem outside his house before. The council took six weeks to deal with the issue, which was a stretch of about a half a kilometre. Then he said Irish Water, now Ishka Aran as they're known, did a mile or more and had it done in just under a week. So I uh, I would... Dennis Castle Magna said he wouldn't be for going back to handing the control of water under the remit of the local council. He's very happy with the service that's been provided for him by uh, Ishka Aaron. On graves that we were uh, speaking on, oh, no, let me stay with water for a second. Somebody else says, why do you think the water charges came in and then everyone objected to it? If you want good quality, reliable water service guess what, says Mick in Mallow, it has to be paid for. And uh, Mick says he is no, and he never had an objection to paying for water when the water charges uh, came in. And he said, by the way, in case people are going to come in, say, no, you must be a very rich man, Mick in Mallow. He said he lives on a disability payment, but he will be more than willing to pay for his uh, water. And then on graves, when we talk, spoke with Danny Collins, Councillor Danny Collins in West Cork and how they're running out of grave spaces in parts of West Cork, Kathleen said people would want to be very careful about buying a graveyard plot in advance. You remember was a number of years ago her friend purchasing uh, one and lo and behold six months later her husband passed away. Kathleen uh, reckons people shouldn't be rushing out to buy plots. She's a... Uh, uh, a bit that's kind of a bit nervous she would be a bit nervous you're almost jinxing it if you buy the plot well uh, Kathleen that must have been I don't know when that happened that can't happen anymore they don't allow people to buy plots and the other side of that is there are loads of people who've bought plots and there's nobody buried uh, in them and the plots were bo- bought many many years ago but I know for some people they'll be a little bit suspicious do you remember once upon a time and I only had this conversation lately with a young niece of uh, mine who's about to have her first baby Do you remember back in the back in the day when you were pregnant? and particularly on your first child and if you bought a cot or a pram or you were getting a loan of a cot and a pram which happened as well many years ago you'd never bring it into the house until the child was born and it was kind of a superstitious uh, thing and I was chatting with my niece and somebody had said it to her because she's obviously preparing and getting the nursery ready and there's lots of excitement about the birth of uh, this little baby and it, she had, it had been said to her oh God well, you know is that, not, is that not bad luck and she was asking me and I heard about it and I said yeah look it's, an, it's very much an old wives tale but it was something certainly years ago people thought it was a bad luck but listen it is to me it is very much an old wives tale anyway back to cemeteries a Texter says this is when we went on to maintenance of cemeteries in my hometown There is a wonderful cemetery committee comprising of energetic volunteers who keep the graveyard spick and span. It is truly beautiful and a peaceful place where the respect for those that are interred there is evident from the care given to its maintenance. And I would love you to get back onto me and tell me where you are and where is that wonderful cemetery so that we could publicly acknowledge the cemetery uh, committee there. Someone else says, morning Patricia. Um, Everybody in West Cork listens to C103. So that elderly lady who you discussed with Danny Collins is possibly listening to the radio about the graves. (laughs) Can I trust this is John Finbar. I'd love to think that everybody in West Cork listens to C103. So thank you for the compliment, John. But I accept the problem. I accept the point you're making. I don't know if her relative has, has already told her or not that there is that they're running out of spaces, even though Skull has been sorted out. So hopefully uh, she will be OK. But hopefully she won't die for many, many more years to come. Also, John says a lot of people are buried in, a lot of people get buried in graveyards after they're cremated. So surely that doesn't solve the issue of the lack of uh, graves. But you don't have to open the full grave. Do you to put an urn in? And you can always just sprinkle the ashes on the grave as well. I don't know if that, uh, if you bury an urn, in a plot in a graveyard. Does that constitute that that plot is then full? You know, if there's, say, a grave where you're allowed two or three people, I, I don't know if it does. 0818103103. 103 In Canturk Cemetery St. Patrick's, somebody said it's beautiful, it's kept by local people and they're named as Richie Barry and Paddy Hassett and the gang. And that text comes in from a Canturk local who'd like to say a big thank you to those uh, gentlemen and the rest of the gang who maintain St. Patrick's Cemetery in Canturk. Uh, then on the TV licence, and should we pay the TV licence and the whole hoo-ha with everything that's going on in RTE. And um, we had the T-shirt coming out yesterday saying people should pay their TV licence, but we had the media minister who was kind of leaving it up to everyone. Uh, Sheila says, listen to this, there are people who live beside me and they are one of the households that live without a TV. Once upon a time, something inappropriate came up on the TV and they grabbed the TV, pulled it out of the wall and threw it into the ditch what a bizarre thing to do I hope they didn't leave it in the ditch for long and that they recycled it but yeah there are they say 18% of the country are not registered for a TV and don't have a TV in their house but listen in that 18% are people who do have a TV but they're just not registered for a TV licence let's be honest Dennis who always listens to us online in Oxford says as regards this compulsory nation notion of the TV licence to RTE RTE also makes revenue on commercials whereas in The UK, we've got the likes of ITV. They don't get one single penny from the licence fee. All of that goes to the BBC. Yet they, on their own, just as a commercial revenue, make a lot of profits from their ads. ITV's yearly profit. For last year was 3.7 billion euro and that was the profit now listen RTE and the other media organisations including our good selves here at C103 can only dream of making profits like that Dennis and that's purely down to the population uh, base uh, as well but I know the point you're making I mean we've got Virgin Media uh, I don't know what kind of profits they make, but they're independent uh, sector and uh, they get, I don't know if they get anything or if they do get anything out of the TV licence. It's its um, very, very little. The bulk of it goes to uh, RTE. And then someone else says, sorry now, but why should anybody pay a TV uh, licence? We, even if, even if they do say it's law, when RTE and the government fooled the people, there should be a general boycott of the TV licence this year. They have enough of their own money for all the big spenders without also getting the TV uh, licence. Anne-Marie enjoying the topics on the programme. Thank you for that Anne-Marie says "Um, I've just paid my TV licence for the next year and some people told me, are you mad to do that? The way I look at it is that I must live by my own values and integrity. I can't make my decisions based on the poor behaviour of a few elite groups in society. God, that's a and that is the way to look at it. That is the way to look at it because the danger is that if RTE start losing money and if they get less from the license fee, you can be guaranteed it won't be the high earners who will suffer. Even if they take a pay cut, they'll still be on high earnings. It'll be all of the lower down. The the workers who are not earning a lot of money, they will be the ones that suffer. O eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Do we have a winner? We do. Thank you, John Paul. Okay, we're going to County Kerry for our winner today and Kathleen O'Connor in Knocknagoshal will be travelling for a break to the beautiful Rebel uh, County for a night away in the Maldron Hotel and of course it was Bonnie and Clyde was the answer and once again our thanks to the Maldron for giving us those overnight stays right across this week congratulations to Kathleen O'Connor in Knocknagoshal
0: The C103 Cork Diary
1: With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at Cork. Cocoa.ie.
2: The Kildallery Hill Festival is continuing tonight. They've got live music in the marquee. That's where Pascal Brennan, Joe Dolan Tribute Band at half past nine, and the Fogues at half past eleven. Admission there is at uh, 20 euro. Social dancing is on the Marion Hall in Bannon at uh, tonight. Music is by Mike Condon. Dancing is from nine to 12 midnight, and admission is 10 euro, which does include uh, teas. There is bingo also on a Kildallery tonight. In the Church Hall, doors open at uh, 6, uh, with eyes down at uh, 7. Please note the change of times for the bingo in Kildallery. Jackpot, €1,950. Euro. Bingo is on in Mallow G.A. Complex tonight, eight fifteen. Their jackpot is €5,100. Uh, euro. And social dancing is on in St. Michael's Hall in Ballydup. Upper, That's on uh, tonight. Music with the great Declan Anger. Refreshments and a raffle on the door, and a great night is in store.
0: Court today on C103
1: with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Just a
2: couple of uh, quick uh, texts in. As Siobhan says on water charges, I have enough bills to be paying at the moment, so you will you please tell Mick from Mallow? and others who are saying reintroduce water charges to stop trying to encourage the government to reintroduce them. Uh, Just because you pay for a service, it doesn't mean that it will be professional. It doesn't mean it will be a competent service. That's from uh, Siobhan. And then someone else says, I hope you're keeping well, Patricia. Thank you. You're talking about water. Well, to let you know, we still pay for our water. Yeah, there are people who do pay for water. And as for graves, I'm living here and listening to you in West Limerick for a single grave, you have to pay over a thousand euro and similar to what you're talking about today on the programme in Cork, you can't buy it until you die. It is ridiculous. You can't pre-book a grave. So I'm assuming that that now has become a nationwide uh, issue. It's happening everywhere. And thank you to lots of people giving suggestions to Pat was looking to buy a little pocket radio. A little battery operated pocket radio. Paddy was on to say he got a pocket radio recently in Sound Store in Blackpool. He said there's actually several uh, types available on the market, you can get one that can pick up the internet radio stations, the ones that are online. But he said the old fashioned ones, the ones with FM, I don't know if AM, is AM still doing the rounds? But the FM ones are there. But uh, Paddy said, just to advise... Pat to make sure it is the FM1 that he wants and he also says they're very reasonably priced. Uh, Jean said she got one in the Euro 2 one of those discount uh, stores she hasn't seen them in many other discount stores but she certainly got one recently in the Euro 2 uh, shop and then a couple of people have been on to say co-op uh, in uh, co-op uh, superstores in Mallow great shop they have uh, pocket radios I only got one there a few months ago says one uh, listener 0818103103. let me go to uh, Chris Christine, in of who's holding on the line uh, good morning to Christine good morning Patricia how are you? I'm very well it's Christina is it it is Christina, Christina. Yeah. okay you sent us a number of messages and we said the best yeah. way was bring you on and, and talk about what's happening okay, yeah thank
10: you I appreciate it. well that. listen,
2: listen if, we, if we can help you in any way it would be great we're back to this problem that's facing so many people yeah, you're, you're, think, re- you're yeah. renting a house okay talk to yeah. me firstly about the house you're renting how long you've been renting and how you've been getting on
10: um, I've been here for 10 years and I love it it's my home and I've looked after it very well um, but I understand the situation with the landlord getting out of it
2: Who um, do you live with? Myself and my son just the two of us well, Is your son in school or? He's just finished his leaving service Okay Okay yeah. So, so yeah. yeah Okay and you got served the, the landlord wants the house back
10: um, Well I was given three different reasons which is fine But the one he put in writing last August was that he wants his nephew to move in. But he didn't give me valid notice because I'm a tenant for 10 years. In his opinion, it was a standard notice, but I have rights too, which Mm -hmm. is fine. Yeah. And I get that. Um, So I contacted Threshold and I said, I know my notice is invalid. So by rights, I should have been out last February if he had given me proper notice, but he didn't. So, since last August, I've been fighting with the council, TDs, everywhere. Several applications gone in for homes. I've no problem going. But it's just, I feel like everything I'm doing is falling on deaf ears all
2: the time. you Are you on, you're 10 years renting. Are, are yeah. you are you on the council housing list that I long as you are? okay. Yeah,
10: yeah, and they say you log on to the site um, every Wednesday morning. But I stay up till after midnight every Tuesday night, so I'm first on. Okay that have applications gone in, um, and he actually called to my door and said, well, I evicted another lady and she got a house, why can't you? It's not for the one to try, and I'm definitely I know, fine. I know.
2: This is the choice-based letting thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
10: yeah, and it's a great system. Don't get me wrong, it's it's great. But, like, Wednesday just gone, there wasn't one house in Charleville. Now, I do know there was 34 new bills gone up in Charleville. Okay. And the first lot are being left out next month. But there's still a house that I applied for six weeks ago, which is still empty. And I don't understand why, because I would pack up here in the morning and go.
2: I, I do know that, uh, Christina, there is a gap mm. between somebody being allocated the house and somebody actually getting the keys. Yeah, I, I, understand I know that we've, because we've dealt I understand. with that, so I, I assume that somebody has been allocated that house.
10: No, it's still empty. I checked it in this morning. It says on on the CBL site it says allocation and progress, which it has done for the last five to six weeks.
2: And what? But that means they've accepted somebody, but they're ju- they're just dotting the i's and crossing the t. Is it?
10: I I'm not sure actually. This is the thing because there's no communication with the council. There's no communication with TDS. When I ring the council, they say put in your interest, which I do. Mm. And but then it's just given out, and we're not told. You know. Which I appreciate what they have to do, but at least let us know. And, know.
2: and it's, is it just the Charleville area? Would you go outside of Charleville?
10: Well, I can't because I'm disabled now. Okay. Because I fell last August and I broke my leg oh. and I had four operations.
2: So you have um, to live in the Charleville area?
10: Well yeah, yeah. And
2: you finished. and you want to live in the Charlie Valerius Not I'm that you have to And I'm Charlie
10: born yeah. and raised yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm just as in as Okay where
2: where were you at with your landlord Have you an eviction no, a, a valid eviction notice now um, No No He came
10: to me in February Okay um, And then he texted me um, uh, Three weeks ago Saying that he was waiting until The leave and search was finished And then I get the next notice So it's like he's dangling carriage in front of me But I haven't got it in writing
2: And what then, from when you get a legal eviction notice, how long will you have? Because you're there 10 years.
10: Um, 224 days, which amounts to seven months. And what worries me is the fact I'm fighting the last 10 months.
2: I know. What will be at the end? And my
10: next one now is seven months. You know, I just like, what do
2: I do? Did your landlord at one stage say to you that he was going to sell the house?
10: He had a conversation with me and said, firstly, the building was paid for, which is fine. Secondly, um, he was going to sell it. And then what he put in writing was his nephew was moving in. But when uh, he wrote that, it was actually invalid.
2: Yeah, you see, it's a pity because when, when, when I was reading down through your text, when I thought mm. he was selling the house, because if he's selling the house, yeah. you're on the council list. You could apply yeah. to the council. And you know that tenant in situ scheme where the council would buy it and you would stay living there. That yeah. would be ideal for you. Yeah. It would, and I'm I'm trying every
10: possible. Could you
2: go back and ask him? Is he would he consider selling to the council?
10: I don't know. I actually don't know that now because there's you um, since say fell. um what worries me more was he came to the door on a Saturday morning at nine o'clock and I had to get out of the door, out of the bath, and hence the door to him at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, discussing my eviction. But that's, I had already in my hospital bed in my sitting room said contact threshold, and he hadn't served the RTB the same notice that he served me.
2: And it has to be served on the same, day. There's, all, there's, on the same there's, day. there's all there's there's very. But I, but I'm just thinking. But uh, if he is selling it, the ideal for you would be the council to buy it, and then you remain yeah. in it, and you rent from the council. That would be the 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 ideal. Absolutely, but in yeah. the and have you gone down the route? Have you contacted the local councillors? So you've got Ian Doyle, Doyle, who's a great TV, man. If yeah. I'm going
10: to these t- every single Friday, even though I can't off properly.
2: And what are so, they saying?
10: All I get from them is um, a letter back in. We're, we're doing this and we're doing that. We're contacting them on your behalf. And that's been happening for the last 10 months.
2: And when you bid on houses, the fact is just you and your son. Yes. Yeah. But Wait, see,
10: we're we're now classed as two adults because he's yeah, 18.
2: Yeah, so we, would you be entitled to a three-bedroom house or is it only a two-bedroom? You, you can know, it out?
10: wouldn't even bother me if it was a two-bedroom one. It wouldn't bother me. Yeah. But um, the council changed my application then because my son just turned 18.
2: And he's an adult.
10: Yeah, he's an adult and we're now classed as two adults, not a family, but I'm still responsible for him.
2: And, and has he a plan after leaving, sir, does he know what he wants to do?
10: Yeah, he loves computers and everything like that, and he knows he's he's kind of worried now as well. He's like, "Ma'am, what are we going to do?" And he's only eighteen; he shouldn't be facing that.
2: Has, you know, is he, he going to go on to college? Do you think, or a PLC course, or he probably
10: will because he loves computers and he yeah. loves programming and um, computer technology. He loves that, you know. But but in the meantime, he's like, "Ma'am, what are we going to do?
2: I know, he's worried about it. Yeah. He's worried yeah. about it. And obviously, yeah, and you're, you're worried about it.
10: Oh, it's just killing me. It's absolutely killing me. I'm tired from going to counsellors. I'm tired from everything. I'm going to counselling, actually, at the minute, because it's affecting me so badly.
2: The stress of it.
10: The stress of it is just killing me. I have great friends and I have good neighbours and everything. They're like, wow, you should not be going through this. i say something if there was a reason for it.
2: And you are know. you, the fact you're, you're um, I'm assuming, are you on a disability allowance now since you fell and yeah. 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 So are you, you're on the HAP scheme, are you? Yeah.
10: Yeah, Yeah,
2: I am. But there's no yeah. point even saying to you, would you try and rent privately? So There's no houses I, available.
10: I, I've even looked. There's nothing available. Absolutely nothing. And from my own point of view, at 51 and being disabled, I'm like, if I do private rent again, I'm facing the same thing again.
2: You know, there's no security with the private rent. There's rental.
10: no security.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, you either you either need the landlord to say I'll sell, and then yeah. uh, get the council on board and do the tenant in situ, or yeah. else under the choice based letting. Um, yeah. As you say, there's new houses coming up in Charderville.
10: There is a 34 new builds um, of White Park.
2: Are they done? Are they Are they finished?
10: the first build is done. Yeah, and they're give, they're being given out next month, and the second lot are being given out in October.
2: God, be but fantastic my, to get a new my build. My
10: worry is that no matter how many applications I'm putting in, no matter how, many, how how many people I'm speaking to, I'm still being ignored.
2: Yeah, but it's probably because Christina, the amount yeah. of people that are are bidding, oh, are bidding against it. I
10: know I'm not the only yeah, person in support. It's just,
2: but like ten years, and yeah. in the ten years, so when when you started on this, you're you're fuller. Yeah. was only was eight. Was only eight. Yeah. And you've never yeah. had any offer in the ten years? No. None. My oh, God.
10: And I have several applications gone in. And all when I was, well, even disabled, my crutches going down to the TVs, I was writing down the addresses, I was writing down the postcode. And I said, please, I'll take that house. I'll just go. I have no problem leaving. But I won't be bullied into leaving either. And I'm I'm just tired of putting application after application after application. And then ringing the council and saying, are you doing this? And the CD says, are you doing this? I'm doing everything possible.
2: And nothing's happening. They can't say that I'm not. Yeah. All right. Uh, listen, we will stay in contact with you, Christina. Thank uh, you. And you've, you've sold your story really well. If anyone has any words of advice uh, for Christina, um, uh, please contact us. And in the meantime, mind yourself and, and, I and your and son. Thank you so much for having me on. I listen, really our pleasure. Our thank pleasure. You. Thank God you so bless. Much. Take care.
1: You're listening to C-103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us. Afternoon to you, Mark. And you're very welcome. Now you watch two movies for us, Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. And the second movie is The Black uh, Demon. Okay, let us take a quick trailer from Indiana Jones.
7: You, Edmund, my memory's a little fuzzy. Are you still a Nazi?
2: The soundtrack alone uh, excites me. Well, say. you know what I think
4: about Jim and John Williams. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and every time, actually, there's a shot throughout the film. Every time there's a shot of the hat, you hear. That's <laughs> fantastic. It's so <laughs>
2: identifiable. I actually heard um, a a radio presenter, who should remain anonymous, uh, during the week saying that they've never seen a single uh, Indiana Jones <gasps> movie, which really astounded me. Uh, how many? Is the, how many Indiana Jones movies uh, have has there been? This is the fifth. Fifth. Okay. And there's been a television series as well. There is. Indeed, yeah. Okay talk us through what's going on here all much right. for the same uh, yeah will I ask you will I ask you how many you've seen Ah, uh, see this I don't know I mean I clearly remember the first one mm-hmm. and I know I read something that in order to watch this one you really needed to have seen the fourth one I don't know if that's true no that's is, not is, true is at it, all. it's a standalone movie okay I probably have seen all four oh, right. I probably. i I'm a okay. huge fan of Indiana Jones oh, well
4: yeah I mean he's part of our childhood really yeah, you know what yeah. I mean and uh, you know I saw the first one live in the cinema yes yeah, <laughs> so yeah. with, with my buddies uh, back in 1980. 81 whatever it was and of course just being completely enthralled by it uh, very disappointed with the second one Temple of Doom which yeah, I've never liked yeah. you know it's nasty it's violent it's very stagey I don't know what happened to Spielberg and he said look I took my eye off the ball which is why then when the third film came along The Last Crusade boy was Love that a that. cracker that's Love the one with Sean Connery yeah. as his father I mean exciting brilliant fabulous and then along came forth The Crystal Skull which was just awful. It really was and it really ah. disappointed a lot of fans. It really did. There's a good opening you know what I mean to the yeah. start. It's a very good kind of motorcycle chase but then the introduction of the thing look spoiler alert if you haven't seen it I'm afraid to, you know, put your fingers in your ears the alien thing I think was a bit just too much for a lot of people and so when people refer to Indiana Jones they always refer to the first three. So the question people were asking when it came to this film was why, can why they make do it, it? again? You know, and can they do it again because of course uh, he was like 78. 79, I think, uh, when he made this film. So, you know, he's aging and uh, getting on a bit and uh, there's a lot of people who do not like this film at Ah. all. There's a lot of anger, especially amongst fans out there, especially amongst men uh, in their 30s and 40s who feel as though, um, you know, uh, Disney, who now own the rights to Indiana Jones, are destroying their childhoods because they did it with Han Solo, uh, they did it with Luke Skywalker, and now they feel as though they've done it here with Indiana Jones because it's an older Indiana Jones. They don't try and shy away from that whatsoever. So when we first see him he's living alone he's got a kind of a sad kind of life and people don't want to see their Indiana Jones like yeah, that you want to remember him as he was but you see the thing is what the makers had to try and do is they had to kind of go look we know he's old you know what I mean but he's still Indiana Jones he still gets involved in a lot of there's a lot of chases in this film there's a chase at the start uh, on a train there's a chase in uh, Tuk Tuk's in uh, India there's uh, a chase um, for example uh, in New York even though they filmed it in Scotland uh, at the time of the uh, the moon landings when the um, space when the astronauts came back and there's a big kind of ticker tape uh, parade, and then the last quarter of the film just goes completely haywire and completely off the charts altogether. It's a very very odd and very very frustrating film. For the reason is, is that so much of this is so exciting and so wonderful and it does bring you back, uh, you know, to the originals. And James Mangold has done a, a very very good uh, job with the action sequences, for example. But then there, there are times when the film just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There are huge plot holes. They did go back to uh, redo a lot of uh, the film. There were a lot of aftershoots. Uh, I think they changed the ending as well because uh, the first yeah, the, the, the first ending uh, didn't didn't, do, work. It didn't work for them. And um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of all over the place. And But I did constantly question what I was seeing on on screen. There are some really dopey, stupid stuff. And again, it goes back to when I say, look, was anybody asking questions? Did anybody say, look, that's, that doesn't make any sense. That's a nonsense. Do you know what I mean? And... Um, but they obviously don't do that anymore you know what I mean it's two and a half hours long it's way way too long well, some of the action sequences believe it or not are also way too long the tuk-tuk scene for example even though it's really really exciting it goes it on it doesn't need to Bond, be as long yeah. Harrison Ford is terrific by the way and um, he seems to have more of an interest than, this than he did in the, in the Crystal Skull if you watch him in The Crystal Skull you can see he's not having a good time didn't want to be there I think this film was very very important to him and um, there was the question a lot of uh, people felt that the Phoebe Waller-Bridge un- character undermined um, uh, indeed throughout the whole film and she doesn't she's a strong character uh, on her own um, in the end afterwards you know when I left the cinema I saw it on a Mac screen wow so you could imagine you know what you were watching on screen it was quite extraordinary way too much CGI some of the CGI isn't great I don't know why because Lucasfilm you would expect them because they were some of the originators of, of CGI technology uh, for some reason it, it doesn't work it looks like the Polar Express sometimes <laughs> it's, yeah especially the de-aging stuff at the start but that sequence with the train that started is very exciting as is a lot of the film but it lets itself down by really really silly stuff
2: but it will be Harrison's its last Indiana Jones. Oh, I think so. Yeah, sure. um, but sure. I will
4: recommend it. By the way, you got to see it.
2: Yeah. Okay. Mark it out of ten. I'm still going to give it a seven. Seven out of ten. Indiana yeah. Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now our next one is The Black Demon. Yeah, I was looking for something else to
4: watch. There's not much out at the moment, actually, apart from kind of movies. I was looking for something for so that people can stream, and, uh, and I found this uh, on Google Play. Uh, this is called The Black Demon, as you say, and it's about a shark. So uh, I think Meg Two, uh, the Meg Two. I don't know if you saw the Meg first. I, I presume you didn't no, see the first one. No. Uh, which was kind of a um, uh, CGI kind of uh, Jaws like kind of um, kind of um, film but as you know I, I adore Jaws I love Jaws nothing will ever compare that to That
2: again it. is part of our growing up and our teenage <laughs> years Jaws <laughs> exactly, was great
4: yeah. so, um, and so I didn't particularly like the make very much I thought it was a load of all nonsense there's the second one coming up very soon and this is kind of one which obviously they know there's one coming out there's a little kind of couple of references kind of Jaws uh, in the film as well which uh, as a kind of a fan of Jaws I kind of liked basically the black demon it's um, a megalodon shark Uh, Just off the coast of Mexico, a
2: what type of shark?
4: Megalodon. Uh, That's a big, big one. You saw that in Jurassic World. A really, really big. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. And um, it's it's just it's off the the coast of uh, Mexico. Uh, Josh Lucas is the star of this film. He was in uh, Sweet Home Alabama, and he is a safety expert. And he's got to go to an oil rig just off the shore to try and see uh, whether or not it should still be operable or not. He takes his family with him. The shark arrives and goes goes absolutely crazy. It's a really really cheap movie. It really is. Um, Some of the special effects aren't great, but it's funny if you do go on um, Rotten Tomatoes. It's interesting to see that uh, the fans really liked it and the critics really hated because the critics of course looked at it as as what it is it's a cheap kind of badly made movie but you know those Sharknado movies that are really really popular you know those really really cheap movies where sharks fall out of the sky so the fans love that kind of stuff and I think those who loved Sharknado kind of enjoyed this one as well they do their best the script is terrible and you know something I was not bored at any shape never was I bored watching this because I understood look they made it cheaply they did their best and you know they they ended up uh, providing us with something that is actually watchable
2: well done the black team mark market out of 10. Look it that, that's seven as well. Seven out of 10. Okay, have a lovely week, is and it? we'll chat to you next Friday. Yeah. That's where I leave you for today and indeed for this week. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for working on the programme all week. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon, and I'll talk to you Monday at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103
1: with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.